Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Spirit world is very real. Devils, demons are very real. God, the Holy Spirit, angels are very real. For every demon that fell that used to be an angel... There was a war in heaven. One third of the angels followed Lucifer. This is in Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28, and they in, in the book of Revelation. And they were cast out of heaven with Lucifer, one third of the angels. Which means for every demon on earth, there are three angels still in God's army. They that be with us are more than they that be with them. And I want to show you tonight that the spirits that work in the kingdom of Satan can be classified into three groups. There are really only three kinds of demons that are talked about in the Bible. Now, when I say that, there are different kinds of spirits that the Bible specifically identifies, but they would all fit in one of these three categories. Number one... There are tormenting spirits. That's a biblical phrase, tormenting spirits. Tormenting spirits seek to hinder. They come to steal the peace of the believer's mind. Tormenting spirits are limited and they come to hinder the child of God. Let me just give you my quick summary and then I'm going to touch on each one of these for a moment. Tormenting spirits come to hinder. Hinder. Whatever you try, it's like it's a hindrance. Every time you try to get your breakthrough, it's like you, you get hit this way and you go around and, and, and then you go a little bit further and it's just like something's hindering you. These are very real and I'll explain it. Hindering spirits seek. Tormenting spirits seek to hinder you. Secondly, there's unclean spirits. Unclean spirits seek to bind you something, to bind you to something, an addiction, a bondage. They seek to bind you to a hurt, to a wound, to something. So get it now, tormenting spirits seek to hinder. Unclean spirits, that's a biblical term, seek to bind. And lastly, evil spirits seek to drive, control, completely take over. Now, this is so important. Spirits are limited without a human body. They cannot function as they want to. They have to have a human body. Demons need a body to inhabit. When God gave dominion to Adam in the garden, he gave dominion to earthborn humans. Therefore, any spirit is illegal without a body on planet earth. This is a law that God himself established. That's why when Satan came into the garden of Eden, he borrowed the body of a snake. He had to have a body to legally come in. Not only that, not only did he come in, But then think about when Jesus in Mark chapter 5 cast the demons out of the demoniac 
He had a legion of demons, which would be 6,000 Roman, according to Josephus, the Jewish historian, a legion was 6,000 Roman soldiers. So there were 6,000 demons in one man. And they cried out to Jesus when he said, come out. They said, please, we beg of you, demons talking through the man, let us go into the swine, into the pigs. Why? Because they knew if we don't find a body, we're done. We need a body. So Satan had to borrow the body of the serpent. But can I preach just a minute? God got him a body when he came to the earth because God himself is a spirit. But God said, if I'm going to come legally, I need me a body. So let me find me a little virgin girl over here named Mary and let the Holy Spirit come upon her and let her produce a human body. His name is Jesus. He'll put skin on my spirit and I'll come legally through the body that is called Jesus. Now watch this. Jesus, after he was crucified and rose from the dead, ascended to heaven, went back to heaven. And he said, now I've got my Holy Spirit, but I need some human bodies to put it in. And so he got them to gather in the upper room, 120 in Acts chapter two. And suddenly the church was called by Paul, the body of Christ. Notice the wording, because the Holy Spirit is illegal without a body. And you and I are the body of Christ. We are the church. For the Holy Spirit to be here, he has to have bodies to flow through, to heal through, to anoint and use and preach and, and do the work of the ministry. One of these days, when God gets through with this body called the church, a trumpet's gonna sound. First Thessalonians chapter four. And will all the, in the body of Christ be called up, raptured, missing, millions, The dead in Christ will come out of the grave. And you and I will be caught up in midair to meet Jesus with our loved ones. But wait a minute. It gets even, it gets even deeper. So we will go to heaven instantly when multiplied tens of millions of believers are missing, what will that do to the economy? What will that do to the stock markets? What will that do to this planet? What will it do to the stabilization of everything normal? The world will go into chaos. It will look like it's about to end. And suddenly a man of peace will step on the scene called the Antichrist. He will come out of the shadows. He will be empowered by 10 nations. This is all in the Bible. I'm not making this up. I don't have time to break it down. We'll do it another time because they're, they're, they got me on the clock. But all of this is in the Bible. So while we, the believers, are in heaven shouting on streets of gold and having God wipe all tears from our eyes, all hell's breaking loose, but there will come a man of peace called the Antichrist. He will bring peace. He will, he will bring global the, he will stabilize the global economy. It will be put under one monetary system. The technology is all, no other generation could understand this. You can't buy or sell without a chip or something that has the mark of this thing called 666. And if you don't have it, you can't trade under the system that is coming. That technology is already here. 
I mean, they got everything on microchips that, uh, that your health, everything. You can't run, you can't hide. They could track you. Um, Siri is listening to you. Have you been reading the articles late? They got bugs that you don't even know and you think you can hide from the Antichrist. You can't put your phone down five seconds. How are you going to hide from the Antichrist? Let me keep preaching. <laughs> oh, I want to preach this. Now watch this. Watch this. Watch this. For three and a half years after we're gone, it looks like the world has peace. The world has economic prosperity. The world is evened out. Everybody's eating. Everybody's happy. It's, it's a happy, happy world. The Antichrist is the world hero for three and a half years. Then Revelation chapter 13 and verse 3 said that he will suffer a mortal wound. He will be wounded in his head. Uh, we don't know if he'll be shot. We don't know what will happen. But halfway through the seven-year tribulation, he will be wounded in his head. He they called it a mortal wound. He will die. Watch. In that moment, Satan himself, who is a spirit, who cannot come into the earth legally without a body, will possess his body. And even though it looks like he's dead, he'll come back from the dead. But when he comes back, there's no peace in him. There's no good in him. Everything changed. He turns into this wild beast-like person who desires to be worshipped. He says anyone who doesn't bow down and worship the image of the beast, cut their heads off, kill them. He turns on the nation of Israel. He attacks the nation of Israel. He gathers the army of Russia, of Iran. These nations are listed by name. Iran, Russia, and uh, Iran, Russia, and... Iran, Russia, and the kings of the east, China, North Korea, Rocket Man. They'll all, they'll all gather at the valley of Megiddo, the valley of Armageddon. CNN will be there, ABC will be there, Fox will be there, all of them will be there. And just when they have the armies of Israel cornered and it looks like they're going to be wiped out, suddenly in the sky there will come a flash and there comes a king who's written on his vesture, king of kings and lord of lords, riding on a white horse. And the saints, you and I, will be coming back with him. Satan will be bound with a chain and thrown into a pit for a thousand years and we will set up a new kingdom and that will be the body of Christ on earth, heaven on earth and will rule and reign forever. Give God a praise. But never, ever, ever forget what I just taught you. Principalities work through personalities. No demon ever slaughtered anybody in El Paso. That demon found him a body. That spirit, principalities work through personalities. So the first way that spirits come in is through tormenting spirits. They seek to hinder. They seek to to hinder and remove the peace of mind. They bring confusion, tormenting spirits. My daughter is, is grievously vexed 
with a devil. The word vex or vexation is oppression. 1 Timothy 1.7 speaks of the spirit of fear. Acts chapter 10 and verse 38 speaks of the oppression of the devil, the heavy oppression. Mark chapter 5 speaks of a spirit of suicide that was on the demoniac that he was so fascinated with death and dying that he lived in the tombs, cut himself. Cutting didn't start with this generation. He cut himself. He hated himself, cut himself, and tried to kill himself repeatedly, threw himself in the fire, threw himself into the ocean, trying to kill himself a spirit of suicide Luke 13 speaks of a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 2 Corinthians 12 talks about Paul said a spirit, Satan hindered me a hindering spirit a hindering spirit so all of those spirits fit under the first category which is the tormenting spirits that spirit comes to steal the peace of mind tormenting spirits come to hinder you That's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, I knew a man 14 years ago who was caught up into paradise. And he was trying to be modest, but that was Paul. If you trace what, when he said that back 14 years, he was in a city called Lystra. He was at the garbage dump and the elders had gathered around the Pharisees and they had picked up stones and they stoned him and they thought he was dead and left him in a pile of rocks. And while he was there, he was taken... Even though he died, it looks like in the natural, they thought they had stoned him to death. God took him to the third heaven and gave him a tour of heaven. When he went to heaven, Paul realized when he came back that he had an assignment, but everywhere he went, there was a hindering spirit. Three times he asked God to remove this hindering spirit. Everywhere he went, it was battle, it was attack, it was being arrested, it was being beaten, it was being tortured. He was facing a hindering spirit and he said three times he begged God to remove it and three times God's answer was the same. My grace is sufficient for you. Let me tell you what grace is. Grace is not that you won't face problems. But grace is when the assassins are kicking in the door like they were to kill Paul in Damascus. And while they were at the front door, some believers put him in a basket and let him out the back window by a rope and lower him down. The first basket case of the New Testament. They allowed him to escape. It wasn't that he didn't go through it, but grace took him through it. While the assassins were kicking in the front door, God opened a window and provided a basket and said, get out of here. The weapon may be formed, but it will not prosper. That's what grace would do. Grace is when you get stoned in Lystra and left for dead and you get up when they walk away and you're battered and you're bruised and you're bleeding, but he walks down the road, grabs a Judean boulder and begins to preach in another city and the whole city was converted and turned to Jesus. That's what grace can do. Let me tell you what grace is. Grace is not that you won't go through storms. He was in the storm and the storm was so severe, category five, that the ship began to fall to pieces. The ship didn't make it, but Paul did. He grabbed a plank. He made it by a plank and a prayer, and he made it onto the beach. Watch, but everywhere he turns, he's getting hindered. Look at it. Look at They stone him, but he gets back up. It's grace. They're trying to kill him at the front door. He gets out the back window. It's grace. It's it's a hindering spirit. He gets in a storm. The boat falls to pieces. He loses everything, but he makes it to the shore. He's shivering. He's cold. He reaches down to start a fire and grab a stick and when he does a snake bites him 
Well, I thought you were a mighty man of God, Paul. I thought you were an anointed vessel. He is. Grace does not mean you don't go through things. Grace means if you go through it, it cannot. My grace is sufficient for you. Some of you are going through it right now. And you, and you thought that, you know, because I'm a Christian, I won't have bad times. That's not true. But what God does promise you is my grace is sufficient for you. You're going to make it. You're going to win. You're going to get up. The devil meant it for your evil. I'm going to turn it for your good. Victory shall be yours in Jesus' mighty name. Give the Lord a praise. I'm keeping on. Turn to somebody and say, the devil may have sent some tormenting spirits. Come on, prophesy to them. To steal your peace and to hinder your progress. But the Lord told me to tell you, you may be hindered, but you're not defeated. I refuse to go further until you throw a praise party right where you're sitting. I may be hindered, but I'm his grace is sufficient for me. I will make it. I will overcome. I will get back up. I may look bad now, but the story isn't over. All right, sit down. I have six minutes. Tormenting spirits come to hinder. Unclean spirits seek to bind you to something. They're spirits of addiction. And don't misunderstand me. Not everyone who has an addiction has a demon. That's not what I'm saying. But those spirits want to addict you to something, bind you to something. Maybe someone through a soul tie Unclean spirits. That's why when you get in improper sexual relationships, the Bible said you sin against yourself when you sleep with someone you're not married to because there is a hole in your soul through which the enemy tries to get in. Spirits connected to sexual perversion, pornography, alcoholism, drug addiction... They try to drive you. Unclean spirits come to addict you, to bind you. And I want you to understand that tormenting spirits seek to hinder you. Unclean spirits seek to bind you. Lastly, evil spirits. This is what we saw in El Paso and Dayton. This is, these are evil spirits. Notice there's a difference. And the Bible calls them different. It's different from an unclean spirit. That's dealing, trying to bind you to something, addict you to something. Tormenting spirits try to hinder you and steal your peace of mind, this oppression in your mind. But, but evil spirits are violent. Evil spirits seek to take control. Evil spirits, when someone drives a car into the lake with their children in car seats and they say, I blacked out. A voice told me to do it. That's an evil spirit. What happened in El Paso was an evil spirit that possessed that boy. 20 dead, 21 wounded. Certain hideous crimes, ser serial killers, so on. Evil spirits drive those people. 
control those people. So what makes Satan target someone? Why does the devil choose? How does he choose who he's going to attack? I am a body, a soul and a spirit. My body responds to the physical world. Listen carefully. My soul responds to my emotional world. And my spirit responds to the spirit world. The weakest link in body, soul, and spirit is the soul, the emotional part. The emotional world is what usually gets out of order that gives Satan or some spirit an inroad into a person's life. Most of the people in prison, most of the people who are going through uh, in gangs, most of the people, there is a there is an emotional hole in their soul. Most of them, many of them are angry. Maybe they were raised without their father, don't know who their father is, or they were in an abused situation. They were verbally abused, sexually abused, physically abused, beaten, angered, lived in a hostile environment, and the enemy gets a, 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 a hole in the soul. It begins as a child. The enemy targets people when they're just children. That's why we got to cover our children. And is it next week or the week after before your kids go back to school? Our leaders will lay hands and anoint them with oil. And we're covering them in any emotional souls that are, you know, if there's a girl, for example, that doesn't feel that worth from a father, then there's a hole in that soul that the enemy will try to use and some boy will come along and try to, 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 to use that as a way to get to that girl. You understand what I'm preaching tonight? uses the entrance of an emotional place that's vacant. So how do you get free? You do four things. Number one, you trace it. Everybody say trace it. Jesus said, you lay acts to the root. What's he talking about? What the root of a tree? He was saying, if you want to get rid rid of the fruit, you don't cut the limbs off because if you cut the limbs off, they'll just grow back and the fruit will keep coming back. You have to go to the root of the problem. You trace it. Where did this start? Where did I open the door? Where did I allow... Maybe it was a person. Maybe it was through an act of sin. Maybe it was an abuse. Maybe it was a rape that happened to you. And somewhere a hole in your soul or something that angers you, that that makes you hate, that makes you uh, upset or makes you uh, need that drug or that alcohol. There's something behind it. Someone abandoned you. Something You trace it, trace it and lay acts to the root. After you trace it, then you face it. You get honest and you face it and you say, I have a problem. That's why I love and so respect the Dream Center. Because you could still be out there. You could still be out there pretending. I don't have a problem. They have a problem. That one has a problem. And every relationship you get in, you burn it. At some point, you trace it And then you face it. 
and you get real with God and you say, I have an anger problem. I have an addiction problem. I have a secret sin problem. Secrecy breeds sin. I have an alcohol problem. I have an unclean problem. And you trace it, then you face it. It's the man in the mirror that needs to deal with it because mama can't fix it, daddy can't fix it, preacher can't fix it, only me and God can fix it. And if I get right with God, he's going to fix the man in the mirror. Everybody say, trace it. Face it. This is so hard for Christians. Because we like to play church all the time. Marriage is falling to pieces and we don't even... How's you, how you doing? We're wonderfully blessed and highly favored of the Lord. No, you're not. You're living in hell. You can't stand each other. You don't even talk. You don't touch in the bed. Your toes point the different way. Every One face in one wall. One You don't ever touch. You don't ever... Face it. That's the people who are having a good marriage right now. <laughs> That's good. But at some point, we got to get real. We got to quit playing these little church games. Emotional, tormenting spirits, no peace, no joy, get up. Thoughts of giving up, thoughts of quitting, thoughts of divorce, thoughts of just... I don't know what to do. What is that? It's a tormenting spirit. Unclean spirits that bind us and then to, to, to help us feel better. I just need a drink and I just need another one and I just need another one. And every night I'm taking up downers to go to sleep and uppers to get up. And I, I'm drinking, I'm doing this. That, that's what the enemy, the unclean spirit wants to bind you to something. And then next comes the evil spirit. It wants you to hurt somebody, to be violent against someone. Evil spirits are spirits of racism, hatred, violence. Trace it, face it. Here's the two more. Erase it. How do you do that? If you've got a problem, ask Jesus to cleanse you by his blood. Let the blood of Jesus cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Watch this. And that erases it, but then forgive. The way that you erase it from your soul and your spirit and cover up that hole in your soul is that person who abused you, that person that hurt you. I'm not talking about they become your best friend. I'm not talking about you have to be around them. But at some point, you've got to deal with the bitterness, the anger, the hatred. If you can't hear their name and not get angry, you haven't forgiven them yet. There is a place where you can hear their name and it's just a reminder of how far grace has brought you because when you hear their name now, it's actually, I don't hate them. I don't wish them bad. I actually pray for them. Erase it. How? Forgive. And be forgiven.
And lastly, trace it, face it, erase it. This is the biggest one. Replace it. Do you know that the Bible said when an unclean spirit is gone out of a man, it leaves that house. Listen to this wording. Maybe they've got that scripture. I know it's in there somewhere. But it said when an unclean spirit is gone out of a man, that it leaves that man. In other words, somebody cast the devil out. It leaves the man empty, clean, and swept. You get, you get forgiven, you get in a good service, God cleans you out, you release forgiveness, you're clean. And the Bible said those spirits, that spirit leaves and then he gets seven more spirits and he comes back, he calls it his house, to his house. And he knocks on the door and if that house is still empty, he says, let's move in. It's not enough just to get the evil spirits out. You need to replace it by being filled with the Holy Spirit. And when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, replace the unclean spirit with the Holy Ghost. Let Him pray for you. Let Him worship to you. Let Him speak through you in a heavenly language. Let Him use your hands to anoint that house. Walk in those bedrooms and put anointing oil on them. Walk around and watch demons jump out the windows. Hallelujah. I believe there's power in the name and the blood and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Anybody believe that? So I close with this. Let's stand up on our feet. So what do you do? Let me show you what the Lord told me to tell you to do. That's why I read this text, the beginning of my little talk tonight. James, therefore, submit to God. Throw it up, James 4 and verse 7. Therefore, submit to God. Submit to God, resist the devil. Everybody say that with me. Submit to God. Resist the devil. One more time. Submit to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. We're just complicated. Well, I just got to try harder. No, you don't. Just come submit. Just come submit. Say, you know, I traced it. I hate my dad. He abandoned me. That person hurt me. That one abused me. That one robbed me, left me, that husband that cheated on me. I trace it, I trace it, I face it. I hadn't quite got over it. I erase it by the blood of Jesus and I release forgiveness. And even if I don't feel it in my heart, I open my mouth and I say, Lord Jesus, I submit to your word that says forgive. And I may not feel it yet, but I'm saying it with my mouth because you said that I can do it. And by faith, I'm speaking, I forgive so-and-so for what they did to me. You know what? You just erased it. And then replace it. Get filled with the Holy Ghost. He is a ghost. And he wants to haunt your house. Your body is his house. Turn to somebody and say, I'm haunted by the ghost.
I hear him talking at night. I get up, I hear voices. Only one voice, actually. My sheep know my voice. And it says, I love you. Today I'm with you. Today I'll fight your battles. Today you have my favor. Today I'll open doors no man can shut. Today if the enemy comes, he'll flee seven ways. Today no weapon formed against you will prosper. My grace is sufficient for you. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.